0: And welcome to Hey, I Like, a podcast in which we talk about the things that make our neurodivergent brains go bonkers. I'm your host, Lucy, I use she, her pronouns, and I have stolen your usual host to be my guest today. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to introduce yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, I am Jess. I am your usual host, and I am back again to talk about our favourite evolutionary disaster animal. Um, the horse but today it's going to be a bit more sciencey even though I'm not a scientist and that's kind of (laughs) nerve-wracking. We are humanities kids by nature. Yes my degree is in English not science but this is like the only sciencey thing I know anything about and so here we are. (laughs) Should we start with um, what prompted this episode? Your little (laughs) year four project? Ah, yes, we love that. So, um, as we have probably gathered from every single other episode that I have done, um, except the Ace History episode back in June, my favourite animal is the horse, and um, that was baby's first special interest. (laughs) Baby's only special interest? Yeah, apparently. Uh, (laughs) So... That has been very much a thing since I was in primary school. Um, I am now training to be a primary school teacher. So a few months ago, I went through all my old school work and found in year four a project that I did. we had to do a project on our favourite animal. So you know exactly what I wrote about. Cats, obviously. <laughs> oh, Horse. it was definitely cats no it was horses um this is like a one or two page like fact file type thing and i submitted an eight page pamphlet written in like size 11 calibre font <laughs> single spaced <laughs> with hand-drawn illustrations um obviously what else were you going to do of course um Bear in mind that we could barely use the internet at this point, point. Uh, and the reason why I know that it was definitely me finding all of this information and writing it myself is because reading back, there are quite a lot of spelling mistakes. <laughs> um, but but yeah, reading back through it, there are there's like there's pages on the history of the horse. So basically, like the evolutionary history. There's a page on like um, like je- the gestation period, like as the foal like grows. pages on different breeds and different colors and it's just like wow okay eight-year-old me was like very autistic (laughs) (laughs) this is quite exciting actually because this is the episode that inspired the podcast (laughs) this is like we're making history yeah because uh basically um last year i came to you, Lou, and a lot of uh, my other friends, and I was just like, So I have horsey science news, and your response was basically, Do a podcast about it. <laughs> uh, so, this the was... time you came to me, like, I'm doing a podcast, I'd forgotten I'd said anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but, like, basically, this was the point at which I was like, We're going to have to do a podcast because, like, I can't just sit on this. And then I left it for ages and ages and ages and it wasn't even my first episode. I'm so disappointed in myself. Um, but yeah, so horsey evolutionary history, uh, sciencey history, stuff like that um, is really cool. And that is what we are going to be talking about today. Um, finally get to the episode that inspired the podcast in the first place. Um, yeah. So that's some fun. Times I guess we should probably start with like actual horse evolution and how it works um, because that will give quite a bit of context to everything else I think. Um,
1: in the beginning,
0: uh, there was the horse. In the beginning, there was not the horse. In the beginning, <laughs> there was Eohippus. <laughs> Let's go back to uh, fifty to sixty million years ago. <laughs> Um, where we have Eohippus, which translates as the dawn horse. Um, it's about the size of a copper spaniel, um, very, very small. If you imagine like a baby tapir, you've got the kind of the right sort of size and shape and colouring. Um, but yeah, so Eohippus lived in the like tropical forests. it fed on low-growing shrubs and other plants. Uh, And was native to the mid-USA, which will come in handy later when we talk more about horses in the US, because horses in the US is an interesting, controversial, science-y thing. Um, But yeah, they were very small, did not look pretty much at all like the horses that we know today, mostly because Eohippus had toes exciting You've time. just scared people of the implication I know. of that. <laughs> the reaction people have when I say horses have toes is always hilarious because it's normally just a massive what the hell. Um, I thought they yes, didn't. Eo, Eohippus had toes. Um, Eohippus had like um, padded feet, like a dog. Um, it had four toes on its front feet and three toes on its back feet. Um, and the feet were not hooves; they were just just feet with toes and everything. Um, and they were like that because they lived in like quite boggy land um, in the woods, and that helped them to sort of a little bit like how camels have toes to balance on top of the, the shifting sand. They had toes; so they could spread their feet out and balance on sort of the boggy ground. Um, Okay, yeah, important for... question though. Did Eohippus have toe beans? I would assume so. Yeah. Like Do... Dogs. Dogs have toe beans. Sort of. They look like dog feet, sort of, almost. Um, but yeah, the uh, the like na- national museum or like the the national natural history museum or whatever it is in Prague has an Eohippus like skeleton and model and that is incredibly cool and I wish I could go back to Prague just to see it in the museum because <laughs> I didn't know it was there when me and sibling went to Prague uh, so I haven't seen it but I wish I had I, I love Eohippus very very much it's just very cute Um, it didn't weigh it weighed about 12 pounds so so small so cute particularly large baby I know right not very big at all, um, but yeah, it lived in it lived in forests, uh, which becomes important as it evolves because after Eohippus, you have Meohippus or Mesohippus, depends on like you have different names depending on where you're where you're studying it, I guess. Um, a reminder that Eohippus lived in mostly North America. Um, the climate became much drier, so you started to get more sort of flatlands and plains um, Sort of as the landscape sort of evolved into the prairies that we have nowadays um, So because of that, the, the horses had to grow a bit and um, have longer legs and it had to eat new plants and stuff like that. So, Eohippus evolved into Meohippus, Mesohippus, whatever. Um, it was a little bit bigger, about the size of a German shepherd. It had a little bit longer legs. It was a bit heavier. Um, its teeth changed. Uh, so, it had lots more molars um, to help it eat like the grasses rather than the shrubs. Uh, But they still primarily lived in the forests and swamps, Um, but because of the changing environment, the the front feet grew to have three toes um, instead of four, and the middle toe carried most of the weight. So you're starting to see this evolution towards horses basically running on one toe. But yeah, so one toe is worse than no toes somehow. So now they've gone from having four toes on the front feet and three toes on the back feet to having three toes on all four feet. But that fourth toe hasn't disappeared entirely, that fourth toe has sort of shifted up the leg. Um, So, what a lot of people get confused about when they hear that horses had toes. The very earliest horses had like toes and padded feet like a dog they go they sort of get confused and think that the toes just like disappeared but they don't they don't um so if you they think about off. it like when when humans used to be like apes we had tails right so now we have the coccyx which is like a residual tail bone um horses are very similar they used to have toes the bones that made up their toe sort of shifted up the legs so on the front legs horses will have an extra bone so sticking out at the back of the shoulder or like where the shoulder joins the front leg um, and that is the the residual bone from one of their toes um, and that's that that very early fourth toe that moved first uh, because they don't have it on the hind legs so cool thing for you there Um, so then after this we're now about 25, 26 million years ago. Um, so, after this, horses moved out of the forests, out of the swamps, and onto the plains because the landscape was still changing and the plains were getting much more widespread. Um, and now we have Merry Chippus. Please excuse me if I'm pronouncing these wrong. I do not speak Latin. <laughs> you think I'm going to know how to pronounce them? <laughs> You're more likely to know than me. Um, but yes, yeah, so now we have Merry and because they're on the plains and in the grasslands, they have to adapt and evolve quite quickly to like completely different environmental conditions. So the head and the neck became much longer um, so that they could like see over the grass and stuff, they become much taller. Um, the incisors in their mouth, the, their teeth move forwards in the skull to help them eat graze uh, and the position of the eyes have altered and moved so that they can see more and like see the horizon while they're grazing Um, so horses eyes are kind of interesting because they like most prey animals they have their eyes on the side of their head but horses have a huge range of vision so they can see everything except from directly in front of their face and directly behind their face um, but like the the sort of the hemispheres that their eyes can see cross over in the front so um, so they can't see like directly in front of their nose or like directly behind their head but there is a point far enough in front of them where they do actually have binocular vision just like a human or a, a predator would um, but it's quite far in front of them uh, so when you see horses show jumping they get to like a stride or two in front of the fence and they can't see the jump anymore because they can't see directly in front of them but from far away they can see it and they have depth perception uh, which is very cool i think <laughs> it's like the one thing they did right <laughs> they're the one they have, pro to be they have a really good vision um one. really good hearing the one good thing that they did their, their vision is quite good um but yeah so their legs became even longer to give them more speed because out on the plains they can't camouflage themselves as well as they can in the forest like in the forest they could sort of camouflage themselves among the bushes and stuff like a, like when you see like a tiger the stripes and everything but out in the plain uh, with the grasses they can't do that so well um, because that so they their legs get longer so that they can run faster to get away from the predators um and th- this isn't like a this is where evolution starts to become a very complicated thing because it's not like they actively during their lifetime grew longer legs it's the horses with the longer legs survived to reproduce <laughs> sort of thing you know so um but yeah, so like, gradually, gradually they're GCSE biology, if you like. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you have a mutation, which is what my DNA just sort of goes. I'm not like other cells and changes. Yes. And then that's a good mutation. And then it's the um, horse that has the long leg mutation that manages to run away from the predator that eats all of the smaller horses with inferior the yes. legs. And then that horse survives to reproduce and pass on the mutated gene yes basically um but yeah so they they've grown taller their legs are longer to give them more speed to escape from predators so the the Mary, Mary chippus, which is about half to two thirds of the way through the sort of the evolutionary pathway there they stood at about ten and a half hands high uh, so a hand is four inches that's how we measure horses um so that would have been about 42 inches high, I don't know what that is in centimetres. Just over a metre tall, maybe. Um, But yeah, and they stood on one toe. Um, But yeah, they stood on one toe, but they still had their side toes. Um, They were just sort of slowly moving up their legs. Um, So their side toes were still there for balance um but they weren't like constantly touching the ground and part of the reason for that is that if they're on a single toe they can run faster right like having loads and loads of toes is great for balance on swampy ground and ground that is constantly moving and shifting underneath your weight um but they don't necessarily need the balance right now they need the speed to run away from things um so standing on it's like when when you're sprinting right you don't run flat footed you run on your toes um it's the same with horses they they want to be as fast as possible so they're running on one toe um and they use their side toes to sort of balance their feet when they need them um so that's merry chippers uh and this is where things all start this is where things start to go wrong (laughs) oh no this (laughs) comes to here that's not breathing or something that sort of system is great where they have one toe but they have two extra ones on the side to balance them when they need them because it doesn't it puts like a little bit more pressure on their tendons and stuff but it's not too bad yet um and then they move into being like a single single hoofed organism right so (laughs) what a word i know right um they have a hoof with their really long slim legs um, and the last two toes have moved like right up the leg a little bit Uh, so it's not quite the modern day horse the the two extra toes are still there um, but they've they're, they're still they're like barely there um so they're not even really there for balance anymore, they're just sort of hanging around. Um, they basically only use their hoof. Um, and that's where you get the fact that it's putting a lot of pressure on all of the tendons and ligaments in their leg, um, and like their other joints. Um, it's not particularly good for their legs the way they've evolved, um, but it does help them to be really, really fast. Um, so these side these side toes that they have um, partially sort of evolve into the splint bones that are found in the leg. Um, But they also have, uh, horses now have uh, little bones on like the back of their fetlocks, um, called like egrets. uh, And those are extra toes, basically. Uh, So all these little toe bones have evolved into other bones in the horse's leg. They haven't just disappeared entirely. They're still there. You can see them on their skeletons, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, so uh Pleohippus, about seven million years ago, had had a, a single hoof with bones inside it. That is their toe now, it's just inside a hoof. Um, and they still did have those two side toes, but they were sort of evolving to be further up the leg. Um so. It's sort of a prototype of the modern horse. It looks very similar to the modern horse. Um, if you've ever seen like Provalsky's horse, uh, which lives on like sort of the the plains in sort of Russia and Eastern Europe, that's sort of what you're looking at. Um, they look quite, for want of a better word, they look quite primitive, um, and that's sort of what Pleohippus sort of looks like. Um, they look like sort of like donkeys yeah a little bit um but they've got their hoof they've got their hoof they've got their their one one toe now um they've got their their long legs and all of that um so yeah and they're they've basically become evolved to live on the open plain rather than in the forest so that's basically how that worked and then by the time you get to equus which is the modern horse those residual toe bones have basically disappeared and fused into the leg in various places Um, which is quite cool there is an article that i read about it a few i want to say a few months ago it was not a few months ago (laughs) it was longer ago than that but um um, but it was basically what got me back into this and reminded me that I did actually know my stuff um, but it was a, some people doing more research into the mecha- like the biomechanics of horses and why they lost their toes basically um, and it's cool the way you say that like they just misplaced them they're somewhere we're sure yeah uh, but uh, this article is from twenty seventeen. Uh, it's called "The Mechanics of Evolutionary Digit Reduction in Fossil Horses," um, and it's it's a bioarchaeology paper. <laughs> I read this in my free time, <laughs> um, but yeah, basically they came to the conclusion that they sort of lost their toes as they um, as they moved out of the forest and onto the plains um but yeah so there were basically two hypotheses that uh, as they grew bigger um it was better to have one like stronger toe rather than several smaller ones and that as their limbs became longer the um the the cost of I'm just gonna quote this directly. The cost of inertia from the side toes outweighed their utility for stabilization. Um, so basically it became better for them to just have the one toe, um, even though having more toes made them more stable. Um, but like you see how like thoroughbreds and stuff have evolved now, and it's like, yikes, <laughs> you went too far the other way, guys. Wait. Um so like back when horses first evolved into like the modern horse it was all like it was okay they were pretty sturdy animals still because they were like they'd evolved to be the best suited to their environment that they could be and then we had to evolve them more to make them good at sports (laughs) and uh and now they their legs are just shot But at some point in this evolutionary period, they evolved to be unable to vomit. So now horses get colic and it kills them. Um, When they run really fast, they don't breathe, um, which is a problem. (laughs) Um, Sometimes their lungs like turn themselves inside out while they're running. Um, So that's fun. There's there's loads of things wrong with them, and I'm not entirely sure when it happened, but it happened at some point. Um, Like they're designed to be able to run super super fast, but like they will commit suicide while they're doing it. (laughs) Horses really were We're like, we have two objectives: to see the danger and hide it away from the danger. Yeah, nothing else. Basically, they don't care if they survive running away from the danger as long as they run away from it um they're great i love them um but yeah so the thing with horses having one toe inside a hoof that um can get quite interesting though is that they're very fragile the bones in their feet uh there are loads of different things that horses can have wrong with their with their hooves and the bones in their feet that can cause irreparable damage so like um Horses and mostly ponies. It's a very pony problem. Uh, They can get something called laminitis, which is a little bit like a horse version of diabetes. It's to do with a sugar imbalance. They have too much sugar, um, and it causes them to go lame. Uh, But in very serious cases, it can cause the bone in their foot to rotate. Uh, And depending on who you, depending on who you talk to, you'll get a different name for the bone. I grew up having it called the pedal bone Um, I think if you actually look on a diagram it's technically called the coffin bone uh, and it's called the coffin bone because if it rotates the horse will die Um, oh that's fun Uh, but yeah because if that bone rotates uh, too far it will puncture the bottom of the horse's foot so if you get a horse with severe laminitis the bones in their feet will literally be sticking out the bottom of their hoof um it's horrific so if you ever walk around in the countryside and you see a horse in a field and there is a sign up that says do not feed the horses don't feed the horses (laughs) there is a reason (laughs) and even if that reason is just i don't want my horse to get really bargy about having snacks all the time just respect it because you don't know if it's just that the owner wants to know what the horse is being fed all the time, or if it's that the pony is prone to laminitis and could die if you feed it too many carrots. Because just if you you give it one handful of grass, or one carrot, or one polo, that's fine. But you don't know that it's just you, and not you, and the 10 people who come by the field after you, and the 20 people who go the next day, and then suddenly you're feeding a horse like 50 million carrots a week, and then they get laminitis and die. So don't feed the horses you do not Uh, know this horse horse, you do not know the horse if it is not your horse don't feed it um but yeah so that's that's the thing with the horse's toes um evolutionary disasters and i love it for them i do think it would be quite funny sometimes to see what a modern day horse looked like with like the original toes (laughs) like no hooves (laughs) that is sure like Someone has photoshopped that. Someone sure. has. I'm sure if you if you if you go and Google far enough, you'll see it. Um, but yeah, so that's quite fun. Um but all of this is basically stuff that I found out at like age eight and retained it in my brain until I did A level biology when it comes up again. But <laughs> and, you uh, you, knew, and... you knew you would need yeah. this. And then I decided that I didn't need to revise evolution because I already knew about horse evolution. And it's like, no, actually, you you do. It's <laughs> not just horses. Um, but yeah, so, so that's quite fun. But one thing that I will bring back is the reminder that the very earliest horses were native to North America because um, one of the things that was the running theory when I was a kid and before I was a kid, and up until relatively recently, was that uh, horses were originally native to North America um, and they spread over the Bering Strait from Alaska to Russia and across Asia and into Europe and stuff like that. Um, And then the glaciers retreated and that strait disappeared. so Europe and Asia got horses, but about ten thousand years ago, the horse disappeared from America um, and became became extinct. And no one was really sure why that happened. Uh, there were suggestions that maybe there was some kind of volcanic eruption or some kind of freak weather event, and the horses all died. Um, and you know, oh, they were reintroduced to North America by the Spanish conquistadors uh, except you know normally in kids books they p- put it much more politely and say spanish explorers and it's like no no they were they were evil but you know whatever um but yeah the running theory for a great many years was that horses became extinct in north america about 10,000 years ago and that the spanish brought them back when they came and took over the americas um and that was the theory for years and years and years I wrote about it in my history of the horse page in my eight-year-old school project. But that is not true. And that was the horsey science news that I came at you about a few months ago. And it's very exciting. um, Because, yeah, so basically, around 10,000 BC, uh, horses went extinct in North America and they were reintroduced by the Spanish when Columbus showed up which is um, the whole time it's been kind of racist and sort of hand wavy genetically because there's no genetic proof that the horses in America now are remotely related to these Spanish horses. And because the native tribes in the US have been saying the whole time that they had horses before the Spanish arrived. Um, So part of the theory was that horses like Mustangs were genetically descended from Spanish horses, but if you do the genetic tests on modern Mustangs, there's no link to the horses that the Spanish brought. Um and yeah, so tribes like the Blackfoot tribe and the Comanche tribe and the and you yeah, know, all of those, they've all been saying this whole time, we already had horses. We already had a word for horses. So what do you mean the Spanish brought them back? We already had them and white scientists have basically been saying for years that no you're wrong the the spanish brought horses to north america and part of that is because they couldn't find any like fossil evidence that horses were in america at the uh, uh between 10,000 BC and when the spanish showed up but still it's like just because it's not there and you haven't found it yet doesn't mean it doesn't exist you know so yeah So you know, it was kind of hand wavy and kind of racist because like they were ignoring the indigenous people who were saying that like we have like actual like records of this happening, right? Like they have their their oral traditions, their stories from before the Spanish arrived that say we were riding horses, Uh, horses existed um, and they were being ignored. So that's kind of bad. Uh, But anyway, relatively recently, as in like earlier last year, there was a study published by some scientists, uh, so mostly geneticists, people who work with fossils that aren't dinosaur fossils, there's a word for it and I can't remember what it is, Um, and they'd found some fossils in North America, and they were sort of like, hmm, these are strange fossils, they don't look like dinosaur fossils they don't look like any like bison fossils or anything so they did some like tests on them they did some some work with them and found that they were horses Ta-da! um so they have now proved that there were horses in north america around 5000 years ago which in terms of like evolution and genetics like that's a tiny amount of time right like Yeah, we were talking earlier about like gaps of several millions of years, right? So 5,000 years is not a whole lot, but it does basically smash that old theory out of the water, right? Like they have now definitively proven that there were horses in North America more recently than 10,000 years ago uh, in that gap where they thought that horses were extinct. So now they can't have that theory anymore. We um, love to hear it. So, that was Columbus. Yep. So we love that. Um, but yeah. So the the newer theory now is that the reason why it looks like horses went extinct is because around 535 AD, so way before the Spanish showed up, um, but far more recently than 10,000 years ago, there was a massive volcanic eruption in El Salvador right which caused like extinction levels of ash to block out the sun and that swept across the Great Plains so none of the grass grew it was really cold you know all of that there was there was ash everywhere so the theory then goes now that all the horses just like ran up north to Canada but that wasn't so much of a problem because there was no ash Blocking out the sun. I <laughs> um, love like, the idea that it was like, a, like, like they all sat down. Were like, yeah. So um, Canada, Canada can sounds good. I feel like it was more then... like they just ran and then found a place where there was suddenly no black sky and went. You know what? Let's just stay here. <laughs> horses are very good they at could running see away. See, there was them no them. black sky, and then they could run towards that. Yeah, um but the nice thing about that theory is that uh, so all the horses ran up north until there was no more ash blocking out the sun uh basically in canada but that part of canada is where the blackfoot tribe is from and they're one of the tribes who have claimed to have always had horses um so that then makes sense because they um like you know they're one of the tribes who've been saying this whole time like no there have always been horses here we've always had them and they've been ignored but it, like it makes total sense for like mainland united states where the great plains are for there to suddenly be no horses for a while while simultaneously other native tribes in other part, parts of the continent are saying they've always been here guys what are you talking about because they weren't affected in the same way by this volcanic eruption so so that's that was the recent science news about horses um, and personally I think that's great because it's like you know listen to the native people <laughs> they're usually right they are usually right it's like you know, when people are talking to like the aboriginals in Australia and they've got like 10,000 years of oral history but like the scientists don't listen to them and then find out ten years later that the kinds of things they're describing in those stories actually happened and they're just like, oh, what a surprise. And it's like, well, actually, no, if you just listened to them in the first place, you could have just you could have advanced 10 more years in your science research, but you know, whatever. It's it's why take it the easy way out. I know, right? Scientists are racist who knew. But it's like this is a quite a common thing with coursey scientists. Um, because like at the same time as this, so like earlier last year, there was another study going on, on the Chincoteague ponies and uh, so Chincoteague ponies live on um, some islands off the coast of Virginia and Maryland, Chincoteague and Assateague. Uh, I desperately want to go there one day. (laughs) off the coast of Maryland and um, and Virginia there are two little islands called Assateague and Chincoteague and Chincoteague is the one that is inhabited by people and Assateague is the island that is inhabited by ponies uh, horses whatever and they're very cute uh, there is a book written about this whole thing called Misty of Chincoteague I think there is a series of books now I only ever read the first one they're very good though I recommend I need to try and find a copy for my future classroom bookshelf because I loved those books so much there's a movie about it too It's made in the 60s I found it on Amazon Prime last summer <laughs> um and forced my parents to watch it with me um <laughs> it's great I love it it's so heartwarming anyway um so basically in uh Chincoteague they have these ponies living on the little island that's across the sound and it's not a very like wide gap between the islands um there's a time there are periods of time where you can walk it um so once a year the people on Chincoteague will go to Assateague and they'll round up the ponies and they'll drive them across the water to Chincoteague and they'll do like a little pony sale uh, to raise money for the local like fire service it's a charitable thing right um because there are too many ponies living on this island to be self-sustaining they breed every year um so they need to get rid of some of them (laughs) um and yeah it's just it's just quite a family fun day out sort of thing you know with added ponies which is great i would love to go and see it because it sounds brilliant um overpopulation for charity i know right um but yeah so these ponies are really cute but there's a sort of a local legend about them where uh it said that the ponies on assateague the Chincoteague ponies are descended from horses that escaped from a shipwrecked spanish galleon um so that's the local legend that's been going around for years uh it's a local folk tale everyone knows it but it's very much considered a local folk tale uh like a folk tale it's not something that any any scientific person considers to be real they're like oh it's just a fairy story sort of thing you know like it's far more likely that they're descended from uh farmers ponies that have been dumped on there and have gone feral right um they don't look like they don't look like modern modern spanish horses and therefore there can be no genetic link um Which, like, you know, let people have their fun, you know, let people tell their local folk tales and believe them as much as they like. Like, you know, if I if I lived somewhere and there was like a load of wild ponies living right across the way, and someone said, Oh, they're descended from Spanish horses that escaped from a shipwreck, I'd be like, That's so cool. I am absolutely gonna believe that. Just just let them believe that, you know. But yeah, so around the same time they were doing this study on the fossils. That they found of horses from about 5,000 years ago. There was a study going on on the Chincoteague ponies because some scientists discovered the remains of some Hispaniola ponies who are the ponies that the Spanish used in the West Indies when they were first colonizing them. Um, so they found the remains of some Hispaniola ponies and that was quite a big deal because there weren't any because they're an extinct breed. Um, So they did some some studies on those remains, and then they went, you know what we could do? Let's take some genetic material from the Chincoteague ponies and just just for fun, (laughs) let's see how true this folktale is. So they compared the genetic material from the Chincoteague ponies to the remains of these Hispaniola ponies from around the time when Assateague island would have been first inhabited by these ponies when the folk tales sort of like came from right and they found that the chincoteague ponies today are more genetically similar to the hispaniola ponies from like the 1500s than actual modern spanish horses are to the hispaniola ponies who were from spain Fun times when I know, right? Sometimes Um, fairy stories are just true. Yeah, so basically they have now accidentally proven that Chincoteague ponies are in fact descended from the survivors of a Spanish galleon shipwreck, as written in the classic children's novel Misty of Chincoteague. (laughs) (laughs) No one ever believed that that would be true. So there you go. There's two pieces of horsey science news. Not exactly news anymore. I think this was about a year ago. This all sort of news to it me. Down. but it's news to most people. I feel like I posted about it on Tumblr at the time, so people probably did see it. Um, but yeah, it's basically resulted in scientists going, "You know what? We should probably start listening to people when they say that they know about the horses." Who would have guessed? <laughs> Which is wonderful. Um, because you know, that that's two for two now. <laughs> um but yeah, so I, I am obsessed with this. Um I will be watching very closely to see what happens in terms of like evolutionary science history and horses because I think it's really interesting. Um, yeah. Where do you think the horse is going next? Like where are they going? <laughs> <laughs> Where where's what's what's gonna be the next like big evolution thing and like? Well, I would like ten thousand years. Time. I would like to hope that they would sort themselves out and not have the problems that make their lungs turn inside out, and have their guts twist up in knots. I think that would be great, but um, I do also think that if that happened, they would be literally unstoppable. Uh, <laughs> every species has to have a downside and unfortunately horses just have the catastrophic ones um that site was just too good and they were too fast um well um one of the things that vets have been Mm. been saying a lot recently is that horses keep getting stomach ulcers um a lot of that is a stress thing um so like they when similar to people when people get stressed they get stomach problems horses also get stomach problems but the thing is is if a horse gets a stomach problem they die so (laughs) because they literally just die from the stress yeah they oh god what a mood they uh so horses can't throw up basically um they if they try their stomach like turns itself inside out it's it's a problem so if a horse gets colic which is basically a stomach ache um, if you don't sort it out in time they require surgery to fix it or they just die basically every problem that a horse has resolves in either vet intervention or death so (laughs) that's fun Um, but yeah because of the way their lifestyle is at the moment where a lot of the time they'll stay in for quite a long time not necessarily with constant access to things to graze from um, and sort of like the ridden competition lifestyle can be quite stressful for them Uh, there's been a massive increase in horses being diagnosed with stomach ulcers which can cause things like colic and like lots of gas and things like that so what I would like to happen is for horses to learn how to throw up safely Because then that stops happening. Like, the stomach ulcers don't stop happening. But, like, you could do something about them, you know? Yeah, there's less risk of death, <laughs> uh, which would be nice. Uh, whether that will happen, I don't know. But I'm thinking, like, other other grazing animals. So, like, cows, right? They, like, throw up half-digested food and then eat it again, right? And elephants, oh, nice. <laughs> elephants can do similar things, I think. So, like, why can't horses, you know? Um, why? Why is it so? You, so basically, you, you can tell my level of science in. You know when you, um, like a horse has colic because I was watching the third season of Mallory Towers, and it has ho- There's like a lot of horses in it. Yeah, because it's it's like when Bill's in a boarding in. school. <laughs> um, one of them get yeah gets colic. Why do you, they have to like walk them round loads? They don't. That's an old wives' tale. Oh. Um, <laughs> so they people used to think that it was so uh, a lot of the time colic there are multiple types of colic there's like an impaction colic where they basically get constipated or there's like there's different types of colic basically but uh, the theory was if you walk them around then it helps like move things in their stomach so if they've got like an impaction then it would pass through uh, and then the colic would be over it's also to stop them from rolling Um, because the 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 old theory was that if they get down and roll a lot then that can twist their guts and like tie their intestines up in knots and then they would need surgeries (laughs) Um, but I was listening to a podcast from some vets um, over a year ago now and they were saying that that's not necessarily the case and that um, they're rolling to try and relieve the pain and that there is no real correlation between horses rolling and their guts getting tangled up so you don't actually really need to worry about it but people still do it because we're a very superstitious lot and that's how we've been raised to deal with colic um, but mostly what it's going to do is tire you and the horse out if you keep walking around for hours and hours and hours So <laughs> um, some people swear by it um, most people don't anymore um, because it's tiring and we're lazy So. Uh, you don't need to, but I'm guessing this was probably made longer ago than, like, five years ago. <laughs> well, it was made, like, I don't know, last year, but it, it's oh. set in, like, the 1950s. Yeah, so back in the 50s, that was definitely, like, the cure for colic would be walking them around. You don't actually really need to, Um it's just like it's just something that we've all been taught you need to do but you don't actually need to um but yeah so i think that within the next several million years if they're still around horses might have evolved to be able to throw up that would be nice um or maybe just to have less (laughs) Lengths they break so easily. Um, or maybe like Connemara ponies would stop having that hereditary disorder where their hooves start peeling off. Uh, that would be oh. nice, yeah. That's something that we like, like the whole thing, before. yeah. Um, so Connemara ponies are an Irish breed. Um, Fleur is a Connemara cross, we think. Um, but it's become a bit of a problem that people have picked up on quite recently with especially purebred Connemaras where the hoof wall starts peeling away from the rest of the hoof um, and you can normally catch it very early you normally notice it when they're very very young um, but there's no cure for it so if that starts happening that's it your horse is done um, ah. because if they don't have a hoof wall they're going to get non-stop infections they're going to be really tender on their feet the hoof wall is the outside the hard bit on the outside that you like paint (laughs) um and like it's a bit like a finger like your fingernail so you can imagine if you didn't have a fingernail on your finger that part of your finger that's covered by your fingernail would be really sore um so once that starts happening to a horse that's it they're done there's nothing they can really do about it so um, but yeah so that's quite scary that that's happening we've been quite lucky in that Fleur does not have that problem Um, but yeah their hooves are really delicate uh, as you can imagine (laughs) they have many bones in there and they are all very small and breakable but yeah, it's like, I think I get quite annoyed when people start saying, oh, horses are running around on the tips of their fingers. And it's like, no, actually, their bones are built completely differently to ours. Um, take a look at a horse's skeleton and you'll see what I mean. Like, It's not like you running around on your the tips of your middle fingers and your big toe or anything, right? Like, their legs are shaped differently, their bones are shaped differently. That's not how it works at all. And then it gets even worse because then you see people saying, like, oh, they're running around on the tips of their fingernails. And it's like, no. Oh, no, no. No, <laughs> the opposite, actually. That's um, not possible. Yeah. Like, even for it's... a human. There is more of a similarity between um, horses, toes, and, like, dogs <laughs> than, horses toes and humans fingers um so like when they're and it's also like in the angle as well they're not running on the tips of their fingers they're basically their entire finger is inside that hoof the rest of their leg is just like a normal leg bone um so all the little bones of like the finger are inside are encased inside the hoof um the bit where the fetlock and pastern is at the very bottom of the leg where it joins onto the hoof that's more like our wrist bone um so they're not running on the tip of their finger they're running like on the flat of their finger uh there's a oh, lot doing that they've got like the added surface area from the hoof as well so like it's not it's not quite the same as what people like people like to be dramatic on the internet um and they're not accurate and that gets on my nerves <laughs> Um, it's the internet, that's what it was built for I know horrifying fact horse foals have tentacles oh I've heard about this but yeah for, for the listeners at home, horse foals have tentacles on their hooves um, it's to protect the inside of the mare's like womb um, because hooves are quite sharp, uh, so they have little, little soft tentacles on the edges of their hooves So that when they're born they don't rip out the inside of the mare's like stomach basically um and then within an hour of birth they get worn away as the as the foal stands up and starts running around so um they look horrifying though if you google it i'm not going to i don't want to know (laughs) i will live in my blissful ignorance of not knowing what the horse tentacles look like um but yeah, so anyone who thinks that horses are basic, <laughs> I hope you have learned the error of your ways. <laughs> horses are horrifying, just not in the way that anyone who is scared of horses expects them to be. <laughs> oh, God. Tentacles. Yeah, I know, right? Tentacles. That's greater than the one toe. <laughs> <laughs> they are called fairy fingers they shouldn't be <laughs> well I've been scarred enough for one day <laughs> but yeah there's your there's your fun fact for this episode foals have tentacles they look horrifying but they get worn away very quickly and then you are left with a normal hoof is it possible for horses to evolve to have like no toes um, well, no. <laughs> In short. <laughs> well, at least you know that's that there's that. At least there's that. Because like that would be like you having no toes. <laughs> and how This that is works. such a terrible idea. I know, right? Who came up with this? Um Never leave horses to their own devices. They're just like, yeah, we will have <laughs> bones that can twist around and like fall out and are just just completely with anxiety (laughs) yeah pretty much that can run really fast yeah but yeah they're such cool animals for all that they are complete disasters um yeah they're they're great um we can talk a little bit more about how good they are for um for us as people um in a later episode i think because like um i've got all my research on um on riding for the disabled and how animals and horses more specifically are really good for uh disabled people so we can talk about that another time but you heard that wants me to go and get florin so <laughs> <laughs> you were gonna have a like a hat trick of horse yes horse related <laughs> things I've got so many horse-related episodes. I think this is now going to be my shortest episode ever. Not even because you don't have enough to talk about, Probably because time constraints. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I recommend if people are interested in the very early evolution, they go and find that article about the mechanics of evolutionary digit reduction in fossil horses. Because I am not a scientist of any kind, so I uh, skipped over all of the stats stuff um and all of the sciencey numbers bit but I read the abstract and I read the introduction and I read their conclusions and it makes total sense to me. It's also only eight pages and like four of them are numbers. So it's not it's not too bad to to read. Um, it's on JSTOR. But I would also just like to add that uh, the first person that like the first writer listed for this for this article as a like an, as an author is a uh, Brianna K McHorse <laughs> Best well, name. It's destined to be. it was destiny <laughs> I only really just noticed that but yes it's a very it's a very good uh, comprehensive article if you're into like deep diving in like actual scientific stuff and like not just random children's books um because a lot of children's books and like information books that you can get like in the library or whatever are going to be very um very basic about it they're gonna have like the bare details like oh yes so they used to have photos and now they have one and they won't tell you where they went <laughs> <laughs> that's um, up for you to decide yeah that's up to you where did the bones go <laughs> they just disappeared aliens stole them <laughs> Um, But yeah, so I I recommend finding some some science-y articles um, and reading those. The nice thing about science articles is that they are short. (laughs) Um, English-lit articles tend to be a lot longer. Yeah, so this has been a whistle-stop tour through horse evolution. I hope everyone has learned something. (laughs) I mean, I have. Even if it's just that foals are born with tentacles. (laughs) Oh, God. So much worse, like why you show me the picture. I know. <laughs> if you have any questions, pay us money and be a patron. <laughs> you can ask me directly. Um, if not, like fair enough, I also don't have any money to give to Patreons. Um, find us on Tumblr. That's why we have a Patreon. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> but yeah, find find us on Tumblr. You can ask questions there. Our ask ask box is always open um and it's normally me who mans that although to be fair the last time someone sent us an ask i had to get i say i had to get but uh, i didn't notice until someone dm'd me and was like by the way you do realize you've got an ask in the ask box (laughs) i was just like we do um so yeah uh send us an ask send us a message um and i will get back to you about it when i can um but yeah i've had fun today I've i know today. i know significant trauma aside Lucius had fun today <laughs> it's fine i'll have forgotten all about it by tomorrow and you can inflict it on me again ah yes that sounds amazing i will do that <laughs> i will ruin your going out with friends with by <laughs> the way remember how horses have toes <laughs> i can i i can show them all as well <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so has this been your outro yeah basically i guess it's time to say goodbye isn't it yeah goodbye bye thank you so much for listening if you've made it all the way to the end congrats you're officially much stronger than half of our friends. If you're enjoying listening to this podcast, please subscribe so you get notified when we update, or sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash hey underscore I underscore like. We have a direct line to us, the creators. You can also follow us on Tumblr at hey I like, which is all lowercase. That's all for now. See you next time on Hey I Like.